my backyard all the time. Just read scripture for me. I think you should get extra credit for that passage, though, man. That's a, that's a passage. Uh, we're going we're to dive into Scripture. My name is Jim Berenger, and as, as Matt just uh, introduced me, uh, friendship's such a big, big part of our story. You know, when I were talking about just being around here, just it, it, it definitely feels like home. New York is our mission field, but this is what we would call home, and we feel the most relaxed and comfortable here. But God doesn't call us to comfort. Uh, he calls us to obedience, and so we're in New York. Uh, uh, part of our families with uh, us today are, uh, I'll show you a picture of our family here, maybe, picture. This would be the moment to put up the picture of the family. There we go. All right. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Let's get it. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is our family. Uh, probably the most recent photo. We're all together. Next to me is our oldest son, Josiah. Josiah is unable to come up because he's in the U.S. Army at Fort Bragg, the 82nd Airborne. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he oversees the, the medic, medical services, and the uh, favorite part about his job is he likes to jump out of planes. So, uh, but he's on a ready, rapid deployment kind of thing if they call him up, so he can only be so far away. Uh, next to him is, well, I mean, my wife, right? And uh, most people, when they meet us, they look at Naomi, they look at me, and they go, how did you end up with her? I'm like, I pray a lot. That's, why, that's how I end up with Naomi. Uh, she's, our, she's a gift to our whole family. Next to Naomi down below is Joy. Joy, oh, I love you, honey. Love you. 11-year-old, special. And now going into youth ministry. Joy is going into sixth grade, so that's a world-shaking thing for our family. Next to Joy is Jesse. Jesse uh, works at our church, uh, directing our video broadcast team, and is a videographer and super talented. Just get on Jesse's Instagram and be inspired by all that Jesse does. Uh, next to him is Jacob, Jacob James, my boy, uh, 16, and very talented musician. I was joking with Sadie that, hey, if you got any gaps on the worship team, Jacob can get up and... Uh, fill any of those roles. By the way, Jesse and Jacob are very single. So if you're a godly young, a godly young woman, uh, we could work out some kind of arrangement. And uh, I love just messing with these guys. I love just messing with these guys. Uh, Joy will not be available until she's 30. So just forget about that. So, as I said, uh, Minnesota feels like home. Why? Because Naomi and I were married right there at that spot. I was baptized right there in that spot. I remember when we were remodeling, one of the many remodels here, right, Friendship? Uh, remodeling, and there's a beam, a metal beam. I was tightening a nut on a bolt right up there. So this feels like home. I was watching the Backer Bible Club videos. I was on a Backer Bible Club as a kid, and my youth intern leader, some guy knowing know a guy named Mike Golay, was my Backer Bible Club leader. So Love those backer Bible clubs. That is an investment, not just those kids, but into future ministry leaders as well. So uh, we miss several things about being in Minnesota. There's, there, there's a long list, but I just want to highlight a few things. One of those plastic bags. <laughs> New York, they're illegal, or you got to pay an extra amount everywhere, every store, just to get a plastic bag. So every time, don't take this for granted when you're in Walmart. Just Embrace that plastic bag. What a gift that is. Uh, we missed this thing on the gas pump. 
Yeah, that thing, you don't realize how good you have it to have this little click thing that when you go to fill up the gas tank, you just go, let it fill up, let it fill up. No, 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 not New York, you got to be there because they don't trust us to just, yeah, man our own gas tanks. Little things. Uh, what else do we miss? Lakes. Lots of beautiful lakes. Go swimming today. Just find a lake. If you're driving by, just jump in and say, God is good because not too many lakes. Beautiful. New York is beautiful. Uh, where we live, the, the leaves change. It is stunningly beautiful, but lakes are uh, not very abundant. And what else do we miss? Culver's. <laughs> we, had, we had to get that right away, the butter burger, butter burger. Yeah. And the ice cream. Well, I don't know. We love the ice cream, too. Uh, Jimmy John's. Naomi, this is not exaggeration for our family. Naomi will drive two hours out of her way just to get to a Jimmy John's. So we've had it already since we've been here. And the last thing would be Taco John's. Six pack and a pound. Six pack and a pound. But you know, we have things in New York that you guys just can't even appreciate how good we have it. We have toll booths. We have them all over the place. And wow, thank you for the toll booths. We have deer. We have an overwhelming amount of deer. We have deer. Uh, I drive by our, to our house. There's a spot probably not even a half mile from our house, little hill. And at dusk, you could count 25 to 30 deer just on that side of the hill. And they go on the street, and they have New York attitude. They're like, what? <laughs> Want me to move? I'm not going to move. They get New York attitude. A lot of deer. And uh, do we have anything else? Oh, taxes. We have amazingly high taxes in New York. So see, see, yeah. So if God ever calls you out of your comfort here in Minnesota, your complacency and your disobedience to not truly follow God on the mission field, then you can come out in New York and learn what does it really mean to be on the mission field for God. Because as Naomi and I say, everything is difficult in New York. They make everything difficult. Well, today's not about me. Today is about Jesus. It's about God's word. We want to look at truth that will, do, that will guide us through what I would say, <coughs> excuse me, the storms of life. And many of you, um, I know many of you, your stories, and have grieved at great distance at what God has done and what you've experienced uh, through those times. So we're going to be in Psalm 22. We read it already. But Psalm 22, in the context of the Psalms, there's, there's, Psalms are primarily worship songs. The, 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 we, we, we would sing this uh, in the church. They're the worship songs. And they're prayers. And there's all different kinds of psalms. There's psalms of thanksgiving. Uh, there, there's psalms of praise. There's even prophetic psalms. But Psalm 22 is a psalm of lament. And if you look at just the, the, the amount of the psalms, the, the predominant amount of psalms are lament psalms. They are psalms that cry out to God. God, and then fill in the blank. They are woven with pain and anguish and suffering. So you have a huge amount of scripture focusing just on our pain and just on our anguish. Aren't you glad you came today? What a wonderful, uplifting message. Why is that? Because we all go through storms. Because that is the reality of, of life here on planet earth in a sinful, fallen world. And so God doesn't avoid that. He speaks directly to that in our lives about suffering, about pain. So I'm just going to review a quick little few verses, and I'm going to read out of New Living Translation. I don't know, what did they use in the video? Was that 
ESV, oh, so I'm going to offend everybody today, uh, but New Living Translation, see how liberal I am now, I moved off to New York, because of the New Living. <laughs> uh, verse 1 and 2, my God, my God, right there, we could just marinate on that, God, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I think that's the biggest pain I see in this passage, that the author feels the disconnect between him and God in the midst of his pain. Where are you, God? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call out to you, my God, but you don't answer. Where are you, God? I'm in the midst of a storm. Don't you care? I'm crying out to you for help. And every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. <sighs> we can find so much connection in our own stories, in our own journeys. And then verse, verse 6. Here, wow. But I'm a worm. I'm, I'm, I'm not a man. I'm so low. I'm so broken. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm scorned. I'm despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. <clears throat> Sorry. They sneer and they shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on, God, on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If, the Lord, if he loves the Lord so much, let the Lord rescue you. Ever got consolation from the world when you're going through a hard time? Oh, you're a Christian. Don't you, don't you praise God? Well, where's God now in your pain? And then in verse 16, my enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves, and they throw dice for my clothing. So in these few passages, in few verses, we see both poverty and pain. We see the absence of things we feel like are necessary just to survive. And we feel the very real pains. There's emotional pain. There's physical pain. There's outside forces of, of pain. It is layered all through Psalm 22. And in this we go, there's something missing. There's something that's not right. There's a valley, there's a storm, there's wilderness. My father-in-law says, the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. And we say in that, why is this happening to me? You know, for many years, the church did not acknowledge, to the extent that I think we should, did not preach on suffering and pain. And we see almost absent from a huge part of our worship music for decades, just not even talking and acknowledging, even though the laments are so weighted in Scripture, how much laments there are, but yet we find them missing. And thank goodness we're starting to bring that back into our preaching and our teaching. And thank goodness we even see that woven now into worship songs, into praise songs. Because it is, it is the reality of life. Stop pretending that pain is separated from the Christian life. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise. You know, you do the promise books. God's promises for me. In this world, you will have trouble. You have that one on your locker, right? You have that one on your mirror. In this world, that will get you up for the day, right? In this world, you have trouble because it's so part of our stories. My feelings versus the truth because this doesn't feel right. In fact, if I always did what I felt like doing, my life would be a disaster. I mean, I got the, the anybody else gained the, the COVID 20 or I don't know, it's like 25, 30 pounds, right? Right? If I always did what I felt like, I mean, I'd be, I don't know how much I would weigh. We don't go on our feelings. Why? Because they're often disconnected from our feelings. 
uh, or the truth is often, often disconnected from our feelings. And the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all else. The, seedful, uh, the, the senior pastor at our church, Pastor Jared Jones, he, he has this phrase that he repeats often. And in fact, when Pastor Jared calls a pastor to, to grace, part of the interview is he asks you, tell me about your pain. Tell me about your suffering. You don't get on staff as a pastor at Grace Community Church until you understand and can speak to the pain that you've been through in your life. And this is a phrase he repeats often when he preaches. He says, until you're miserable, you're undeliverable. Until you realize, Ugh, I, got, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. I, I, I'm broken. I, I, I need the doctor. I need the, 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 the dentist. I need the rescue. God, I need you. Until you're miserable, you're undeliverable. And that's God's grace. Or out of A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. Listen carefully to these words. The way to a deeper knowledge of God is through a lot of Bible studies. <laughs> Bible studies are good. They're great. Of course, of course. The way to the deeper knowledge of God is through a lot of church activity. That's great. That's not what he says. He says the deeper knowledge of God is through the lonely valleys of soul poverty and abnegation of all things. In other words, I got nothing. I got nothing but you. One of the most powerful things I've experienced in the youth ministry days was when we would take students to Haiti. And in those moments of poverty and pain, the students would see the Haitians crying out to God in exuberant worship. We, we, sh we would be embarrassed to compare, if that was possible, to compare worship. Why? Because they live in the abnegation of all things. They live in a world where they have nothing else, and they say, God, it's all you. It's all you. And that is where we learn to praise him, or what C.S. Lewis says in The Problem of Pain. He says, we can, we can rest contently in our sins and in our stupidities. Love C.S. Lewis. Don't beat around the bush. In our sins and our stupidities. And anyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite foods as if they did not know what they were eating will admit that we ignore even pleasure. But pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I would say that pain in your life is part of God's grace to awaken, to alert you, to cause you to be utterly dependent. And I, theologically, I believe God allows us because we live in a sinful world, but the reality remains that there is sin in our, there is, we live in a sinful world. And or a worship leader, a musician, Christian musician, Michael Card says this, there is no true worship without wilderness. All worship begins in the wilderness. And I think today, if you came in today, oh man, great job. Sadie's still here uh, leading worship. Oh, it's so great to see. Sadie was in the youth group. Man, she's like our daughter, you know. She's up here leading the worship. If you're, if you're crying out to God in worship, I believe it's because you've been through wilderness. Because you've seen, I've got nothing else but God and what he might do in this moment. But we say, God, solve this. God, fix this. God, take this away. God, provide this. God, provide this. That is all lament. And that is worship. 
Lament is worship. When we say, God, I don't know what else to do, but I'm coming to you. That's worship. And here's the secret sauce. Here's the, fr- I would say even sometimes, well, oftentimes for the frustrating secret sauce to me, God wants us to be utterly dependent upon him and him alone. He does not want us self-dependent, independent. He wants us to trust in him alone. So if you find yourself in a place that you are not needing God, that is not God's goodness, that is not God's grace, his grace for you is to say, I have nothing, the total abnegation of all things, I got nothing but you, God. But verse 3, verse 3, yet, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. And then verse 9. Yet you brought me safely from my mother's womb. You led me to trust you at my mother's breast. I was thrust into your arms at my birth. You have been my God from the moment I was born. What happened between verses 1 and 2 and 3? I think there's some time that happened. I don't think this is an I don't think David's just going through life and go, oh, life is terrible. Everybody hates me. They want to destroy me. Yet God, I don't think that, I think there's time that happens into that. There's surrender. There's desperation that happens. But verse three starts with, yet you. Or if you have a different translation, you might say, but you. And then we wanted to say to our small groups, there's a lot of big buts in the Bible. <laughs> That's a youth ministry thing, sorry. <laughs> There is a real turning point in the laments. I am in the midst of this pain. I've got nothing but you, God, are to be praised. Not ignoring the pain, not pretending the pain doesn't exist, but saying in the midst of the pain, this is what I'm going to choose to focus on. And that's praise. So we have poverty, we have pain, and then we see praise in the midst of these psalms. Going back to what Michael Card said, that there's no true worship without wilderness. Think of the wilderness. Think about Israel in the wilderness. In the wilderness, they were hungry, and God provided manna and quail. In the wilderness, they were thirsty, and God brought water from the rock. In the, in the wilderness, their enemies threatened them, and God says, I will fight for you. But they was always preceded by the pain. We got no food. We got nowhere else to go. God will come to you. God, we're starving. God, what are we going to, but we come to you. God, our enemies are around us. We're going to be overwhelmed, but we come to you. That's the right order of lament. Acknowledging, being honest, and please be honest with God in your prayers, in your crying out, in your worshiping together. Cry out because he acknowledges where you are. Yet you are. And then there's another transition. Psalm 22, verse 11. And then 19 through 21. Do not stay so far from me. For trouble is near. No one else can help me. Oh Lord, do not stay far away. You are my strength. Come quickly to my aid. Save me from the sword. Spare me, my precious life, from these dogs. Snatch me from the lion's jaw, from the horns of these wild oxen. So we have poverty, we have pain, we have praise, and now we have prayer. God, I need you. God, I need you. I need you. That is the real, authentic prayer, is it not? 
I mean, my prayer life was developed through pain. I remember the first time I really, really prayed was when I was in cross country in high school and I'm trying to finish a race and saying, God, I need you, right? In the midst of pain, in the midst of desperation, in the midst I can't get another single breath. That is where God wants us. Not one more breath. God, I need you. Lament. I love this prayer. This is what Michael Picard says about our prayers. Lament teaches us the things we ask for are almost never what you need. I'll say that again. Lament teaches us that the things we ask for in prayer are almost never what you need. Thank goodness God doesn't always answer my prayers the way I I ask for them. Because my life would be a disaster. It would be all over the place. It would be about Jim Berger and not for his glory and pointing others towards him. And that's why I live and that's why I exist. Uh, Naomi and I are a fan of a Christian musician named Natalie Grant, and she has a song. I'll just give you a few lyrics. She says, if, if you, if, I know if you wanted to, you could wave your hand and spare me this heartache and change your plan. And I know when you said that you could take my pain away, but even if you don't, I pray, help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. That is lament in worship. God, don't just fix my circumstance. Because if you fix my circumstance, I might not be any better off. In fact, I might be worse off. So God, help me draw near to you to see you in the midst of. Help me want you more than anything else. And that is lament as worship. So after prayer, then then we get to experience his presence. And as I reflect on what my father-in-law said, the, the dark night of a soul, that moment is where you know he is there. He's always there, but it's a heightened awareness of his presence in your life. I love Pastor Matt preached on Psalm 23 just a few weeks ago. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, What? You are with me. And I heard someone say once, there's no Psalm 23 without Psalm 22. Psalm 23 is built off the first part of the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. You don't get any of the other stuff in Psalm 23. I get so frustrated when the world quotes Psalm 23, like they get all that. You don't get that unless the Lord is your shepherd. So stop saying the rest of it because he's not your shepherd. When the Lord is your shepherd, then you get that. When you are surrendered and sacrificed unto him, then you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Then he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. The presence of God. I love Paul writes in Philippians, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. That word means return to the source of your joy. Rejoice. Return to the source of your joy. And I'll say it again, he says, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. All right, easy for you to, Paul. Easy for you to say. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do you know where Paul is when he's writing Philippians? He's in prison. He's in prison and he's saying, rejoice, return to the source of your joy with thanksgiving, with prayers and thanksgiving. And then he says in verse seven, this is the verse we quote a lot, 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You don't get the peace without the surrender. You don't get the peace until you realize, I got nothing but you, God. And that is where we experience his presence. I know I'm speaking to some of you that this truth is so much deeper than I could even talk about today in what you've experienced. And we don't, we don't trade pain stories like one's worse than the other because our pains are different. But I know so many of you, your pain even today is so deeply rooted in your stories. And that's why anytime I talk about pain in my story, the reason is not to heighten the story about pain. It's to direct who God is in the midst of pain. So some of you know uh, part of our story. I've shared uh, about joy here and several times since. <laughs> I know you're sitting there, Naomi. I'm not going to look at you. Okay. Uh, uh, but our jo joy was born uh, 11 years ago, just had her birthday. And uh, when she was born, she was very, very sick. And I know... I can't look anywhere today. Uh, I know many of you prayed. And uh, that was, that was uh, undeserved, I would say. Because many of you have been through lots of pain. And you probably didn't have an army of people praying for you. Friendship Church prayed for us. There's people in the Czech Republic praying for us. There's people in Haiti praying for us. There's people in Afghanistan and Ukraine and in Israel praying for us. So Joy was born, she was very sick, and uh, we delivered in Shakopee, and they said we can't take care of Joy anymore here. We have to take her, darn it, okay, we have to take her uh, to, to Children's Hospital. So they say to Naomi, well, you probably want to recover after the birth, and Naomi says, <laughs> so we get in the car and we chase the ambulance to Children's Hospital. We get there, the doctor meets us, we go, what is going on? She's like, her lungs, and there's a hard time breathing. Uh, okay, and they, I had already intubated her at that, at that point, and they, the doctor says she has something called pulmonary hypertension. <laughs> I don't know what that is. She says, but don't look that up, because you'll get really freaked out. So she leaves the room, and Naomi and I look it up right away. <laughs> of course, right? And uh, so, so we're praying. Everybody's praying. We don't deserve that. We don't, we, we don't deserve that. But some, for some reason, a lot of people were praying. We were praying. We're desperate. We got nothing but God in that moment. And that's where we experience God deeply in that moment. And then we says the most powerful presence of God she's ever experienced was in the shower at the Ronald McDonald house as she's just weeping and crying out to God. That is his grace for you. His presence in the midst of the storm. And so we're crying out to God, and uh, she gets worse. She keeps getting worse. And uh, there's a moment we're in the hospital, we're in the room, and the nurse just very calmly turns to Naomi and I and says, I'm going to push a button, and there's going to be a lot of people coming to this room. And we realized, Joy's dying. That's what's going to happen in this moment. She's going to die. What do you do? There's no self-help book that helps you in that moment. There's no praise of men that helps you in that moment. There's only the depth of who God is and experiencing him in that moment. So we cried out. Well, they put joy. Sorry, I'm getting really emotional. I didn't do this the first service. Um, 
they put some joy on something. ECMO, which you can see the tubes coming out of her, up the top of her head there, and one's taking blood out and putting oxygen in. It's called ECMO, putting oxygen in, and then it takes the, the blood with the oxygen and puts it back in her. And the doctor says, we're going to have to put her on something called ECMO. And they said, uh, if she doesn't, she's going to die. So, okay, well, let's, let's put her on ECMO. But here's the, here's the side effects. There are brain bleeds, there's seizures, there's could be hearing loss, there's the long list. So we're not counting on ECMO at that moment. We're counting on God. And at that moment, here's God's grace. If joy lives, by God's grace. If she dies, by God's grace. Joy's every single breath. Sometimes I watch you breathe joy. Because every breath is not promised. It's not even a right or something you deserve. Every breath is a gift. That's God's grace. And our lives don't exist to live longer lives. That's not why we exist. Our lives exist so that every breath points others towards him and glorifies him. If you understand that one truth, it will bring everything into alignment. You'll stop asking the question, why me? It's not about me. My life is for his glory and to point others towards him. God did a miracle, and I, I, I struggle to say that not because God isn't good in that, because some of you didn't get the miracle you prayed desperately for. Why is that, God? Why is that? And we could become angry and we become jaded with God unless we go back to what I've been saying already, to praise him, to recognize his presence in it, and to trust him. So if we're able to do that, he, is, he allows us to gain perspective. Through his presence, we can gain perspective. For the Lord has not ignored or belittled the suffering of the needy. He has not turned his back on them. He has listened to their cries for help. Psalm 22, 24. The whole earth will acknowledge the Lord and return to him. So whether it's right now, I get it. Because sometimes God makes it so clear. Like, oh, I see what God did there. A few years back, Jesse, uh, our son Jesse, gets very, very sick. He gets something called Legionella, which is like a really, really rare, very dangerous pneumonia. And uh, so we bring him to the hospital. He's like 105 temperature. And they're saying his, his organs are set to start shutting down. Whoa. And they start treating him right away for this Legionella. And he's going through the hospital. And we're, 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 Naomi and I, we're back. And God, we need you. God, we need you. Please help Jesse. Please help Jesse. So Jesse goes through that. I think he was maybe uh, four or five days. I don't remember how long he was in the hospital. Um, and we're getting ready to check out. Like, praise God. God, solve this. He fixed this. He healed Jesse. And we're in the moment, and we're getting ready to get checked out. And Jake and, and, and Joy are in there. And there's like a team of doctors in there because they're doing like the release stuff. And the, like the cardiologist with a bunch of interns are in the room. And all of a sudden, bam, Jesse seizes up. And man, that was scary. Goes into a seizure, and all the doctors are all there. I mean, what better place to have a seizure, right? Bam! All these people are, are taking care of Jesse. So in that process, they start testing Jesse's brain. He has one. Good job, buddy. <laughs> start testing his brain, and they discover something we never would have found out in the midst of the pain, that Jesse has epilepsy. And had we never been through pain, we would have never discovered that. And maybe one day, 
something very dangerous, life-threatening could have happened to Jesse. Now, that sounds really neat. And that sounds, oh, look what God did. He helped me discover my epilepsy through this pain. Naomi does this annoying thing to me all the time. <laughs> so there's our whole family. Like, we'll, we'll, get a, we'll, we'll be late for something or, or flat tire or something like that. She'll say, well, maybe God's protecting us from, the, from an accident. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> right? Or I'll call her and my car's broken down. And she said, well, maybe God wants you to witness to the tow truck driver. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's lament. Ah, right? Lament. And yeah, I don't want to miss the moments. But not every single story we have, we gain the perspective that we need. That's why we don't have earthly perspective. We have eternal perspective. We see our, ourselves in light of eternity and where we are and where we're going. And there is victory. We proclaimed it yesterday at my dad's funeral. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? Jesus has conquered sin and death on our behalf. We don't live with earthly, temporal mindset. We live with mindsets of eternity, with God on the throne. So perspective. And you know what? In the midst of those stories, you've got three choices, in my opinion. You've got three choices. You can say, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the suffering, well, there must be no God. Because if God is so loving, how could he allow this to happen? So therefore, there is no God. And yes, there are even Christians today abandoning the faith because of pain that they've been through in their life. Which I cannot judge the pain, but I can give you the weight of scripture that God has saying, let me speak to the pain. Let me acknowledge the reality of pain in your life and let me shepherd you through the pain. But that's one choice. God must not exist. The second is, there's a God, but he just doesn't care. Or he can't, or worse, he can't do anything about it. He's inept. He, he's not able to. We, we, we worship a lesser God, an uncaring lesser God. And certainly that theology, that, I would say, doctrine of demons has infiltrated the church in some areas. Call that out for the heresy it is because it is not God's word. God so loved the world. And that is acknowledging our pain and our desperation. And there is a rescue. We live in a fallen, sinful world. And we are all part of the problem. We all contribute to the disaster of sin and selfishness and deceit. We are all part of the problem. But God has offered a solution we did not deserve, and that is through Jesus Christ. That is the depth in which we respond to the pain in our lives. I love what John Piper said about perspective. He says, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you might be aware of three of them. <laughs> right? If we're able to gain that kind of perspective. God, I never knew. God, I never knew. I never knew. I'll close with this, Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33, a passage I've talked a lot about over the years. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So you're in the midst of a storm. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You're in the midst of God, I don't know what to do next. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
God, why don't you seek first the kingdom of God, God, what you want, and his righteousness? And then it says, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, I like that part. Give me all those things. And remember what I said earlier about the things I'm praying for are often never what I need. So that's why I start with the beginning part. Seek first the kingdom of God. I paraphrase it this way. Want what God wants, and then he'll give you what you want. Catch that? Make your desires what God desires for you. And when you desire what God desires for you, he will give you what you desire. That goodness, that grace, that peace that you could not ever understand. Naomi used to go to BSF. I know, was that here or was that out in New York when you heard this? Here? Here. BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. And her, her uh, leader said this once. She said, God will take you where you didn't intend to go in order to achieve what you could not achieve on your own. God will take you where you didn't intend to go in order to achieve what you could not achieve on your own. We didn't want to come to New York. We didn't want to go to New York. Man, this is good here. Youth ministry, it's the dream job. I mean, the dream job. And we had the most amazing people in the world that I had the privilege to work alongside. Pastor Matt was gracious about the impact of here. Tell you the truth, it was all these amazing youth leaders over the years doing so much. And I just got to be a part of it. We don't want to leave. But the last couple years at Friendship were very painful. So painful that I was, God, I've got nothing but you. God, I got nothing but you. And darkness and despair and God. But you know what? Naomi and I were not ones to run from pain because if you run from pain, you're going to have to experience that somewhere else again. So learn it right now. Whatever you're supposed to grow through that pain, acknowledge the pain and surrender to God in the pain and let him help you grow through the pain. So I'm saying, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want? Finally, there was a moment where we felt at peace that God was releasing us to go. But even then, I'm like, Okay, it's got to be youth ministry, God, because you know I love youth ministry. And I'm, I, this is what I do, God. That's what I do. And every youth ministry door was closed. Okay, so we said, okay, God, maybe it's not ministry. I don't know what, what you want. We were just surrendered to that moment. Started working with a guy. Started to have, you know, maybe looking at other churches somewhere else. And uh, he called me up. He said, hey, Jim, uh, I got a couple churches I want you to look at. Uh, one is in Florida and one is in New York. I said, let's talk about that one in Florida. <laughs> we did not want to go to New York. And, you know, through the process of, of getting to know these pastors and, and the mission of grace, we, we, it was very clear. This is where God was calling us. So Naomi and I, we were, in, uh, we were in New York seven years ago, almost to the day, today. Um, and I remember we were at a stoplight. It's always like a stoplight for us. And we're, we're, we're just crying because... It means so much more pain. It means the youth ministry that we loved, the people that we loved. It means pain for our family, all that. We didn't want that. But God brought us to places and to experience things I never thought we'd experience. I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it here or not, but you know, got to, got to pray over a uh, change of, uh, of command service at West Point Military Academy. How cool is that, right? We get to see hundreds of people baptized on a yearly basis 
in the Northeast. <laughs> in the Northeast. God is good. God is good. And New York is our mission field. We feel very comfortable here, but New York is where God has called us for the time we're here. All right, let me close this all up. I feel like I got more permission because it's the second service, and there's no service coming after this. So <laughs> I could just tell stories all the time. Matt's getting all uncomfortable. All right. So we want to gain that perspective, right? We want, we want to say, God, what do, you want, what do you want me to grow through this? Well, Psalm 22 points us to Jesus. Jesus quotes Psalm 22 on the cross. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know the reason I really know that? One time we took a missions trip, Mark and I. We went a missions trip with the kids to Haiti. And we get there, we start talking to the pastor, and he says, hey, we're going to have worship services every single night. Now, I, I was raised with Mark Gold as my youth pastor. For, so 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. 1 Peter 3.15, in other words, always be ready. Because at any moment, right, Thomas, your dad would just turn to you and say, I want you to teach a Bible study. <laughs> and you got to be ready to teach the Bible study. That's just the way we were raised. So 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. So we're talking to this Haitian pastor. He says, we're going to have worship services every single night leading up to Easter, and we're going to do the last words of Jesus on the cross. So each night we're going to do a different phrase. And he turns to Mark and I, he says, and you're going to preach the messages. <laughs> of course we are, you know? <laughs> so Mark and I, we just got out our Bibles, and we quick start writing sermons for an entire week. Okay, so Jesus is on the cross, and he says, Ali, Ali, lama sabachthani. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus. Why have you forsaken me? I was talking to Joy a little bit ago, a couple weeks ago. I said, Joy, why does Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he's on the cross, when he's Jesus, why does he say that? She said, well, Dad, because God is holy and because Jesus has taken upon all the sins of the world and God will not be in the presence of sin. So God's presence with Jesus has been severed because the sin of the world is now on Jesus. That's a good answer, Joy. <laughs> yeah, that's good. God's provision for you in the midst of your pain is revealed, is personified in Jesus on the cross. He says, I see your pain. I take your pain. And I bring healing and rescue and freedom to break chains in your life. That is why I'm here. That is why I'm suffering. That is why my relationship with God is broken now because I am becoming sin and God's wrath for your sake. And that's why when we take communion, acknowledge, his, acknowledge your pain, lament your pain, and praise him that what we celebrate with communion is God's provision, his presence and peace in your life in the midst of your pain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's what we rely on. It's our compass. So we trust in you, God, our heavenly Father, in the midst of our stories, yet you are holy. And it's your name that we pray, Jesus. Amen.